title of my message is, is being or becoming the house of His glory. Becoming the house of His glory. And, and the Bible says that the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. But then it says this, that's Habakkuk 2.14, but then it says this, it says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so God has no plan B to reveal His glory in the earth. It's tag, you're it. We're it. And so God is, is wanting to reveal His glory in and through His church. And so we have to understand that, that we're the temple of God that He wants to fill with His glory. You know, Romans chapter um, 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus didn't come just to save us from our sins. He came to restore us to the glory that we fell short of. Jesus didn't come just to save us from our sins. He came to restore us to the glory that we fell short of. One of my favorite stories in, in the Old Testament is uh, where David, after he becomes king and, and he's settled in his kingdom and everything, he, he turns to Nathan the prophet and he says, he says, I, I have it in my heart to build a temple, to build a house for the Lord. And Nathan, you know, being like a prophet that hadn't heard from God yet, says, hey, do whatever's in your heart because the Lord is with you. But then as Nathan turned away and to go back home, I guess, the Lord ministers to him and says, go back and tell David thus and so. And so he goes back to David and he says, he says to David, he says, or the Lord, thus saith the Lord, from the time that I brought you from the sheepfold into Saul's house and fought battles and, and triumphed over other kingdoms and brought you all the way through the trials and process that I've, where I've been with you all these years and brought you finally into your destination, have I ever mentioned anything to you about building me a house? For I do not dwell in a house. He said, the, nevertheless, your son Solomon, because your hands have blood on him, you will not build me a house, but your son Solomon will. But he says, moreover, the Lord says to you, David, I will make you my house and I will establish you forever. And man, when I read that verse, I mean, that is the cry of my heart, is to be the house of God that he establishes as a temple for his glory and his excellence to be revealed in the earth. And so that, that is the heart that God wants to, to put in his believers is to have that passion and to, that revelation that, hey, we are the temple of God. And if you're the temple of God, you walk differently. You know, the Apostle Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, you know, know you not that you are the temple of God. He said, I, I came as a master builder and I laid a sure foundation. And he said, I laid the foundation of Christ, the finished work of the cross. And that really is the apostolic message. The apostolic, the, to me, the sign of the apostle is not so much what he does in building churches and planting, you know, uh, churches and works of God. To me, the apostolic is the one who brings the apostolic message of the finished work of the cross. Because everything else is built upon that message. And really the church has walked for years actually being built backwards. It's been built by pastors and teachers and prophets and evangelists. And yet we get off course when we don't have that, uh, that understanding of the finished work of the cross. An example of that would be like in the prosperity message, for example. We don't give as a means towards salvation and prosperity. We give as a result of it. See? And so without that finished work, you're always living, always striving to become what the Bible says you already are. But see, the, 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 the body of Christ, the harvest that's, that's coming in right now and, and the young people that are coming into the body of Christ, you're coming in free from all that mixture and from all that religion. And that's why you're going to hit the ground running because you're not going to go through like what a lot of us went through is the ever learning but never coming to the understanding of who we are. And so, you know, it's so amazing in our society right now how the big issue is really identity. 
you know, America has, not America, the world has an identity crisis. And, and basically, it goes back to the very beginning uh, in the garden when, when God made a covenant and created man in his image. He gave them the image of himself. And since that time, since Satan came in, he, he, he questioned him on the very thing that God said that he was, that he was his son, that Adam was his son, and that he would be the father of many people, that he was to, to reproduce who he was. Well, the enemy came in in that, and, and Adam lost his identity. And so when the, the last Adam, Jesus, came in, if you remember, before he began his ministry, what was the very thing he was tested in? He went into the wilderness, he was tested in his identity. I mean, over and over again, the Satan came to him and says, hey, if you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down. And so, you know, if Jesus had been insecure in his identity, he would have used his gifting to prove who he was. And so God wants us to be secure in our identity, and that's why if we're secure in our identity, we've got, we're carrying that mantle, that anointing, where the world looks at us and goes, I want what you got. I may not like what you got because it, it, it's lifting up a mirror to who I am or who I'm not, but I want what you got. And so I see uh, uh, the, the Lord is, is, is wanting us to be secure in our identity. See, religion says that your behavior will dictate your identity. You know, but the truth is it's your identity that dictates your behavior. The Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin and judgment and righteousness but you know what the Holy Spirit does for a believer? Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. So if you're a son, you act like a son. You live like a son. You walk like a son. And so when you're, when you're get confusion of identity, and that happens in the church, it happens when we don't maintain our identity in Christ, because that's something that, that's why the Bible says we daily put on our identity. We daily put on the full armor of God. If you think about it, that's what you're, you're putting on Christ. You're putting on who you are daily. So, I mean, it doesn't just happen by accident. It happens because you make a willing effort to stand in, to look. The Bible says, look steadfastly into that perfect law of liberty and don't be turned aside and forget what you look like. In other words, don't forget who you are. And so, God wants us to be secure in our identity. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. See, God wants to build, bring and reveal His glory through His sons and His daughters. My, one of my favorite prayers in the Old Testament is when uh, Moses was in the wilderness and he said, Lord, he said, uh, unless lest your presence go with us, don't send us. And he said, you know, because, lest, because if, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we will bring reproach upon your name. And what he was saying is, I would rather be in the wilderness with you, God, suffering your reproof, than to go into my promise, the things that you've promised me without your presence, because I'll bring reproach upon your name. And see, it's the presence of God that causes us to walk contrary to our own nature. See, the, 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 the gifts of the, 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 it's the, the, the free gift of, I love the song we sang this morning, um, where it was talking about, the, the, I can't remember how it was, but we were, I found the treasure in the field or something like that, but it reminded me of the parable where the man is walking through a field and he discovers a treasure. And then it says he went and sold everything he had in order to buy the field. And see, that's true biblical Christianity. I mean, religion says, look, if you'll sell everything, get rid of all the junk in your life, then you'll discover this treasure. Well, that doesn't work. The truth is you discover the treasure and then you sell out everything in order to buy the field. You know? And so God wants his church free from the, from the, 
veils of religion and tradition so that we can behold Him and be changed from glory to glory. And so God's bringing that security in our identity. When Moses was praying, he, said, he just said, look, unless your presence go with me, because it's the presence of God, it's, that, it's, that, it's walking in the revelation, in the constant awareness of God's presence that is the anointing, that is the glory that we carry, that, that God wants us to walk in, and it's what keeps us from sin. It's what keeps us from, from walking according to our old nature. And so it's, it's really the free gift of righteousness that produces the fruits of righteousness. See, I mean, trying to produce the fruit apart from a revelation that it's free just cause you to become self-righteous and mean-spirited and, and the very thing that the world looks at the church and says, I don't want that. They're hypocrites. Because they, they can talk it, they can act it, but they're, they're mean as snakes, you know. And so God wants us to be, to, to when you receive the free gift of righteousness, it, it gives you that fruit of righteousness. When Moses was in the wilderness, he cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord, if you remember, he hid him in the cleft of the rock, which is a type of Christ. He hides us in Christ so that we can, we can bear under the weight of the glory, so that we can behold the glory. And when the glory passed by, it says that, um, uh, skip my notes here. I want to read this. When the Lord passed by, the, when the Lord passed by Moses, he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in mercy and truth. Every, see, every place that you see God reveal his glory through one of his sons and daughters, you always see the mercy, you always see the goodness of God and the mercy of God. When Solomon dedicated, when Solomon, who finally did build the temple, when he dedicated the temple, this is in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, he dedicates the temple. I'm going to read this. It says, And it came to pass when the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make the sound to be heard in the praising and the thanking of the Lord. And when they lifted up their voices with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good and his mercy endures forever. See, again, there's the goodness and the mercy of the Lord. And then comes this. Then the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the whole house of God. Wherever you see the mercy of God, wherever you see the, 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 the goodness of the Lord, that's when you see the glory of the Lord. When David's saying in Psalm 23, that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We have a friend of ours who has two dogs, and she named them goodness and mercy. <laughs> and they follow her all through the house. <laughs> A couple of weeks from now, everybody will have dogs named goodness and mercy. <laughs> so your destiny in Christ is that the God's glory would be revealed in and through your life. God's destiny for the church is that the church will rise up and display His glory. And so to be carriers of the glory, I always, I always feel inadequate when I share this part because on one hand, you know, my message is the finished work of the cross and how everything that you get from God is free. You know, if, if he told his disciples, he looked freely you receive, now freely give. And so if we think we earn it and deserve it, then we begin to put a price on what God has freely given us in order to obtain the gifts of healing and the, and the prophecies. And, things. and it's not a price. And yet, at the same time, there is a costly anointing. But it's, it's the anointing itself that gives you the ability to pay the price. 
And yet you're not, and yet, I, I, like I said, I feel inadequate to say that because you're really not paying a price. It's just that, it's just one taste of His goodness ruins you for everything else and you just want it out of your life. And so I, I was praying about this and Lord, how do you, how do you say this in a way that, um, how do you reveal this in a way where you're not earning what God wants to give you because it's free, but at the same time, it does cost you everything. But you willingly lay it down because you've been wrecked by everything else. And so he showed me this picture. He's, he's, this is what he brought me to. And it, it's, it's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 6, and I'm just going to share the story. But it's a story where the Philistines in the Old Testament, they captured the Ark of the Covenant from the Israelites. And the Israelites, the Ark of the Covenant represented what I'm talking about, represented the glory, represented the presence of God. And as long as Israel had the Ark, they had the victory. I mean, they always took the Ark before them in battle, and they always kicked butt on the battlefield, and they came back in and praised God. And, and you know, that was, that was their history. But they got careless with the anointing. They got careless with the presence of God, and they got sloppy in their walk with God, and the Philistines stole the ark and brought it into their camp. And so when it was in their camp, what happened was is they bring it into their temple with Dagon, was their God, and, and every day the, they'd go into the temple and Dagon would be bowed down and on his face, you know, so they'd prop up their false God again and, and go out, and, and, they'd pro, and the next day they'd come in, he'd be down again, and then all the people in uh, the Philistine camp broke out in hemorrhoids, and uh, then there was a plague of rats that, or mice or something that infiltrated their camp. And so the Philistines, not being the, uh, the sharpest sword in the desert, they, uh, they, they kind of figured it out. They said, hey, you know, I think this has something to do with their God, you know. And so if it does, let's just, let's just build an ox cart. And what we'll do is we'll take this ox cart and, and, and put the Ark of the Covenant on this ox cart and we're going to get two uh, brand new mother oxen, mother cows that have just had calves, and we're going to put their calves. We're going to lock them up in a stall, and we'll put the the, the oxen to pull the cart. These new mother calves, and so these cat, these mother cat oxen, they'll say, "We'll see what happens." And so these cat, these ox cows, they take the cart and they go straightway into the camp of the Israelites. And it says they did not turn to the left or to the right, but they went lowing as they go. Now that's the walk of a Christian that's carrying the anointing. It's like you don't turn, the natural thing is to turn back to your children. I mean, they, they, they walk totally contrary to their nature in order to go straight forth to their destiny in Christ. It's the anointing of God, it's carrying the presence of God that gets you to your promised land, to the place that God wants to bring you, to the place and the destiny that God wants to bring you to show forth your glory. And it's not that you don't show forth your glory on the way because actually if you're an ox, lowing as you go, but walking differently than the rest of the world. See, I mean, that, that in itself is displaying the glory of God on your life. Christians walk in a, in a realm where they're just not moved by the world. We walk as a, we're hearing a different voice. We're beating to a different drum. We're a peculiar people. We're a holy nation. We're set apart. The Apostle Paul said, look, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. So that the life that I live, I live now by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, who died for me, and gave His life for me. There's a, he said, I die daily lest having uh, ministered to other people that I may be found cast away. So there's a, there's a daily dying, but it's, it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a daily life. There's a, there's a life that's being produced into you while you're even dying to your old nature. So you don't even recognize that you're on the altar. I heard someone say one time, he said, the problem with living sacrifices is we're always trying to squirm off the altar, you know. 
2 Corinthians um, chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to start at verse 5. The Apostle Paul says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves for your and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be made manifest in our body. For we who are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So that the death is working in us, but it's life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all things for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet inwardly our inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light momentary affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. For we do not look for the things which are seen, but we look to the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. I tell you, church, God wants to fill his temples with glory. He wants us to have a revelation of who we are in a way that walks contrary to the nature of natural men. The Lord should look at our lives and say, you know, it's just supernatural how you walk through that trial. It's supernatural how you pay your bills. It's supernatural how you... Forgive those who persecute you and do good to those who despitefully use you. It's, persecu- it's, it's, it's supernatural how you spend time with the Lord and would rather be alone with Him than come out and hang out with the, the, the friend, you know, the, our friends. You know, Moses, he counted it joy. And Moses chose by faith to be persecuted with the children of Israel rather than to enjoy the pleasures of Egypt. Because the pleasures of Egypt are for a season. But the weight of the eternal glory is eternity. God wants us to walk with an eternal perspective. He wants us to, to understand who we are in Christ. You know, when Jesus took the, did his first miracle, he goes to the wedding feast, he just said, hey, we're just, uh, uh, bring all the clay pots. You know, Paul says we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. And that's what it is. We're just earthen vessels. I mean, some of us are more earthly than others. I'm probably one of the more earthly vessels, you know. But see, God likes the foolish things to confound the wisdom of the wise. So I just go, that's me, Lord. Just, just, just do it. See, if you knew me like I knew me, you wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> but see, y'all get to see the work that the Lord's done in me. Y'all get to hear the, see part of the end product. Amen. See, we could all say that. But I'm just not picking on people today. So Jesus goes to his wedding feast and he says, look, hey, we ran out of wine. You know the story. We ran out of wine. And he gets these clay pots. He just fills them up with water. And the water is the representation of the word. You know, the Bible says we're washed in the water of the word. Uh, 
Romans chapter 12 says, Be not conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the Word of God. What God wants to do is take the, the, the transformed work of the Lord. Jesus was the Word made flesh. See, our identity is to be, to be like Jesus. That's our goal. We're to be the Word made flesh. We're to be this, this literal Word, not the literal Word, but the Holy Spirit inspired Word of God living in and through us, which is the representation of Christ. And so as our mind gets renewed by the Word of God, we can become transformed by the renewing of our mind to the Word. And so God wants to take all that Word and just, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just change it into new wine. And He wants to, that wine is what makes you bold. It's what makes you drunk enough to do what God said go do. <laughs> you know? And uh, it's what makes you, it's, it makes you walk differently. It makes you walk contrary to the natural. And so living your life, you know, eating and drinking of the Lord and, and, and feasting at His table and feasting on the things of God it's like I started this message, and I didn't even t- intend to talk about David, but, but really it, the Bible is raising up a kingdom of priests. And so there's, there's messages out there that talk about the, the priestly anointing or the kings and priests message and whatever. I don't believe that. It's a, I don't want to meet any kings who aren't priests. You know? And, and uh, the truth is all kings, all kingdom kings, and the kingdom anointing is going to be carried through a priesthood people, a people who's who their whole life is all about worship. And you think when, 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 remember when Abraham took his son up on the mountain, Isaac, and he's supposed to sacrifice his son? I mean, he goes, he's got some other men that are going with him. They go to the mountain that the Lord shows him. He says, look, the lad and I are going to go up and worship, and then we'll return to you. And, you know, they didn't have a guitar. You know, they had wood for, <laughs> they had wood for a fire. And so when you see your sacrifice as worship, it's no longer a sacrifice. You know, forgiveness is one of the hardest things to do when you've really been wronged, you know. And yet, if you see going and forgiving somebody as an act of worship, it becomes a lot easier. So whatever God's asking you to do, if you'll see it as worship unto the Lord, because worshiping is something not that we, it's not something we do. I mean, worshipers are who we are. It's the essence of who we are. We were made to worship Him. Got these worship leaders over here going, yeah, Amen. <laughs> Isaiah 30, I'm going to close with this. Isaiah 30, verse 26. It says, In that day the moon will shine like the sun, and the sun will shine seven times brighter than the moon. That's a prophetic word, a prophetic picture of the church. The moon is a picture of us, the bride of Christ, the the body of Christ. And the moon has no light of its own. It merely reflects the light of the sun. But the Bible is saying, look, in that day, my church is going to burn, my, my son is going to burn seven times brighter, and my church is going to burn in, even as the brightness of the sun. Man, we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to walk in that same light and that same glory, that same revelation of his goodness. But as I was preparing this message, I just heard the Lord say that it is not the difference between a half a moon and a full moon, but the shadow of the earth. And that as we walk contrary to our nature, we separate ourselves from those things that are earthly, then we become bright and shine like the fullness of the sun. Amen. We can reflect that full light. Let's stand up. I'm going to declare some things and pray and see what God wants to do. Father, I just thank you for everyone watching by webcast, everyone in this room. 
for all those that will even see this on a replay. Well, Lord, I just thank you that you have your people positioned, Lord, for, uh, for a day of revealing that's coming upon the body of Christ. That, God, you want to reveal your sons and daughters. You want to show forth your glory through a people that, Lord, will arise and shine in this day and in this hour. And so, Lord, I pray today that every veil of condemnation, every veil of the flesh, every veil, Lord, you said that we would behold you with an, with an unveiled face and be changed from glory to glory through beholding you. That we're not changed by doing, we're changed by beholding. And so, Lord, I pray that everything that keeps us, every distraction, everything that keeps us from beholding your glory, God, would be ripped away from your bride. That, Lord, if the veils would be rent, which they I have been rent, but that, Lord, the veils of religion, of tradition, of self-condemnation, or from lies of the accuser, or from unforgiveness, or from things that happened way back when. Lord, we just say, Lord, let, we just ask that there be a washing today, Lord, and a refreshing that would come through the, through the, through the Spirit of the Lord. That, Lord, that the church would arise and shine, Lord, as a full moon. That, Lord, that we would separate ourselves from all that's earthly. That, God, that we would walk contrary to everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of who we are in Christ Jesus. That, Lord, that, 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 Lord, that everybody who is struggling with identity as a son or a daughter of the Most High God, that, Lord, every lie that accuses them, that, Lord, that, 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 that has tried to put shame on them or call them to, to walk in a way not worthy. We just say, as Moses did, that the goodness and the mercy is what allows the glory to be produced in your life. It's the goodness and the mercy that comes and washes away and forgives everything of your past that allows you to display the glory and the goodness of God. Lord, we just thank you for the free gift of righteousness that produces the fruits of righteousness in your family, in your body, Lord, in Jesus' name. That, Lord, no more striving to become, but, Lord, waking up as a son and a daughter, waking up in the authority, waking up in confidence. Lord, you said not to throw away our confidence. And so, Lord, we, where religion would say, you know, confidence is pride, that would mean that insecurity would be humility. And so, Lord, we just say that confidence is not pride and insecurity is not humility, but confidence is boldness before the Lord, that we come boldly before you because of our understanding of the finished work of the blood. That, Lord, we are changed from glory to glory. And so, Father, I just pray today that, that not by might or power, Lord, but just by the simple, mere words of a mere man, that, God, these words would accomplish to and towards that which you would send it. That, God, that people would be set free to behold your glory like never before. In Jesus' name, amen.